Hello and welcome to my Caravan Industry Insights podcast. This podcast is for anyone working in the caravan industry, whether you're from a manufacturer, supplier or dealer here in the UK or elsewhere. So listen every week to hear insights, interviews and marketing tips to help keep you and your business more informed and successful. I'm John Rawlings, a journalist and communications expert with a lifelong passion for caravanning and 20 plus years PR and events experience in the car and caravan industries. From starting in the editorial team at Practical Caravan Magazine to working in the press offices at Vauxhall, Volvo and Volkswagen and now in my own business specialising in the caravan industry. Hello there, how are you? Thank you for listening to this podcast again this week. We've had a good Easter, got the kids back to school successfully, etc, etc. Life is returning to normal in my household, that's, that's for sure, which is a good thing. So I hope you've enjoyed the last few podcasts, particularly the two I did while I was away traveling through Morocco on the uh, Bailey Sahara Challenge. Gosh, that was such a fantastic trip. I'm so pleased that it all went as well as it did. And the results are starting to show as well, which is even better. I think it's given me itchy feet and it's taken me a little while to settle down getting home again, particularly missing all that gloriously warm sunshine. But uh, it was also good to see how the caravan and motorhome industry is, is so important for the ferry company, because good old Brittany Ferries, when we got the ferry back from Bilbao to Portsmouth, really, really, well, there were just loads of motor caravans and caravans on that, a lot of well, different nationalities as well. So I was, of course, very jealous hearing that a lot of them had been away for one month, two months, three months, and I don't blame them either. Why, why stay at home? In the, after, in the long, drawn-out English winter when you could be away in your caravan or motorhome down in sunny Spain. So all in all, great trip. I can't wait to get out on the road again soon, hopefully, although I don't have anything planned at the moment, which is not good. I am hoping to get to the commercial vehicle show this week at the NEC. If you've been, let me know what you thought. I'm uh, following lots of posts on LinkedIn about the show with much interest. It's good to see the new Ford Transit. I'd love to go have a look at that close up. Looks like there's loads of electric vehicles, electric vans, and electric trucks there as well. So it's not surprising, really, I suppose, but just good to see the progress being made in that in that department. That is enough of, about about me, really, for this week. I just wanted to introduce my next interview, and this week we're looking at the subject of content marketing. Something it's a buzzword, I suppose, which has been around for a while now, but I'm just not sure that everyone really understands what it is and how to do it properly. So I've had a very interesting chat with a journalist that I've known for a long, long time. He's not from the caravan world, which I think is probably a good thing, because it's good to get an outside perspective from time to time. He is, well, I'll let him introduce himself in the interview, but I think and hope that you will enjoy this. And I will finish there, head over to the interview, and I'll catch up with you again next week. Thank you. We all know that the media landscape has changed a lot since digital and social media became so prolific. But how do you make your marketing or PR strategy as effective as possible? What's the best way these days to raise awareness of your company brand or product and boost your Google rankings at the same time? Traditional options like advertising and PR are great, but where does content generation fit into all this? What is it and how effective is it? I saw an interesting article about the changing media landscape on LinkedIn by a motoring journalist I've known for several years. And I thought I would speak to him today about it. His name is Craig Thomas. He has worked as a writer and editor for large media organizations, organizations even, such as Channel 4, Sky, The Guardian, The Sun, The Daily Telegraph, Channel 5 and The Daily Express. 
and now has content marketing clients that have included Adidas, Cinch, Shell, Siemens, Eon, Suzuki, Royal Bank of Scotland, Private Banking, Lombard, and Gridserve. So let's talk to Craig and find out a bit more. Hi, Craig. How are you? Well, I'm good, thanks. How are you, John? Yeah, very good. It's good to see you. It has been a little while, hasn't it? As, yes, yes. These are these kind of circles that we move in are moving in different directions these yeah, days. And, and also the, the, the years fly by even quicker. I think when I first got to know you, weren't you at Channel 4? That yes, right? I was, yeah. Yeah, I was working at Allcar, which is the Channel 4's motoring website, which was you know really successful in the mid-noughties. And, uh, was yeah, it that long ago? Really Gosh. Yeah, being out there. <laughs> So you're all you're more about content marketing these days. I know you do some journalism and other stuff as well, but tell me about sort of content marketing. How would you des- how would you describe it? Well, it's, it's a kind of it's a marketing strategy that you kind of use to attract and engage, retain audiences. And we use it in content, which is kind of relevant to them and to your business. It's uh, it's kind of it's it's fairly well established, uh, but I think that it's. Real potential hasn't quite been tapped yet. All right. I think, I think that the way in which the kind of media landscape is in changing and has changed over the last 20 years or 25 years, really, since the, since the advent of the internet, it's really going to come. I think it's really going to be a, a lot more important for brands in the coming years as they kind of take on the role of publishers themselves. So it's about creating content that serves you as a brand, but perhaps more importantly, serves your customers and your consumers. I mean, that's the big step that I think a lot of brands haven't taken. They really see the marketing side of content marketing, yeah, but they don't kind of understand the content side in the sense that, as opposed to conventional marketing means like, say, advertising, you're communicating a message that you want the, the customer, potential customer or your consumer to, to, to understand about you, you know, about, it's about, it's about the brand and it's about the message that you want to communicate to them. Yeah. I think with content marketing, what the, the, the step that people haven't quite taken yet or quite understood is that if you create content that Apparently, does nothing for you, but actually serves the customer or the consumer and gives them something that they want, as opposed as opposed to something that you want them to have. Mm-hmm. It's a lot more effective. Mm-hmm. It's, I mean, you know, you're not conning people. People understand where the content is coming from. Yeah, because it's you're hosting it or sent it out to them by an email or whatever. But you don't have to. You don't have to push your message. It doesn't have to be a hard sell. It needs to be a soft sell. And people know it's from you, and they appreciate the fact that you're not trying to, you know, hard sell them, basically. Mm-hmm, so it's mm-hmm. a kind of cycle, it's a subtle psychological shift that you're trying to kind of create by shifting what you do and creating the content that appeals to your customers. And I find, you know, if you engage them, then you're building up a relationship with them and it's a stronger relationship. You know, it does, it's a particularly good method for customer retention, for example. Okay. So do you mean that at the moment, a lot of content generated by brands is a bit too much like just basically a, a blunt mini advert? It's a bit, 
bit too yeah. in your face. Yeah. So I, I was I was uh, I was talking to somebody recently in, in a car brand, and 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 that, and you know I explained this, and they said, yeah, but you know we we have people who create content for us. You know they come on our car launches and they create content. And it's like, yes, but they're creating content about your new product in with a view to you selling that new product to customers. And so then what you're telling people or what you're communicating to people is about your product and you're benefiting from that if they buy your product. What you want, what you want to do is, and, I'm not, I, and so this person didn't get what I was trying to say, which is forget all that. If you create regular content for your customers uh, or you know, current car owners around something which has nothing to do with your products, nothing to do with your cars, then people will respond to that. So if you understand what it is your customers are interested in, what they like, you know, what they find interesting, or what they do is the, in their spare time or whatever, and you create content for that without pushing your new car at them, mm-hmm. they're going to read it and go, oh, that's really good. That's really interesting. I didn't know that. For example, or, or, oh, that was interesting. Well, I might try that experience or go to that place that you suggest in a travel article, for example. And, you know, this, you're not asking them for something. You're not overtly asking them for something, but they will respond to the fact that you have given them something. So can you think of any other examples? It's, it's obviously sounding like some content that's more informative than just an average, just a product message. Yeah. So, for right. example, let's, so let, let's just look at, at, at your market, the market you speak to, the caravan market. Yeah, and, and I, know it's, I know you don't know the caravan industry at all, but that's which yeah. is quite good. I think your fresh perspective might be quite interesting. But but what, from what your knowledge of the car industry, I think that's equally as relevant to sure. the purchase and ownership of a caravan as well. So if you're, you know, so for caravans, there is so much. I mean, you know, like, as you said, I don't know the caravan market at all, really. Mm-hmm. But... You know, it's, it's, to me as a content creator, it's obvious that, you know, the, there's so much, be like, the big, paint the expression, low hanging fruit, but, you know, that's what it is. So if you're a caravan owner, what do you co- tow your caravan with? A car. So obviously mm-hmm. you've got, you know, that's another content. There's one area of content, you know, one pillar, as we call it. Yeah. But car it is, you know, because your, your readers, your, your customers, we need to create uh, buy a new car, and they'd be interested in that. Yeah, I'd be interested in that, and and also there are lots of messages as well now about uh, the the changes that we're about to, you know, the whole changes that are being undertaken now in the car industry. So, what does it mean to have an electric car when you're towing? You know, for example, so mm-hmm. and, and you know all around all the kind of information around owning an EV, which I think you know, generally the you know most most people still don't fully understand. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, I think you know, this this switch to EVs, which is happening and is 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 not going away. No, I was just gonna say exactly all, that. <laughs> we are all going to be driving EVs at some yeah. point. Yeah. When we adopt them it will depend upon, you know, how much money we could afford for a car, et cetera, et cetera, the price of EVs, you know, et cetera. But well, yeah. whatever the case, yeah. We are all going to be driving EVs, and we all need to understand the implications of that. Yeah, in some cases, they're not huge, but I think if you're a if you're a caravaner, you know you need to know that you know where you can charge your car. 
I mean, are, are there are there you know, sites, caravan sites, camping sites where you know, they are introducing this, and you can uh, hook up your car as you used to be able to, as you can hook up your camper van or, or yeah. camper van. Yeah. So you know, there's, there's all, so there's information about that. For example, that's an easy one. Yeah. Uh, but obviously, you know, what do you do with a caravan? Well, you go touring in it, travel in it. Well, you know what? What about travel guides to you know? Parts of the UK, you know, maybe, mm-hmm. maybe things that you haven't thought of doing before. You know, in, interesting facts about particular regions, places to go, things to see. You know, all those kinds of things. I mean, there is so much content that you can create as a caravan brand that will help your customers and give them information that they perhaps they don't already know, inform them, engage them. And you don't have to slap your brand all over it. I mean, the fact, as I say, if you host it on your, on your website, you know, in a, say, a blog section, yeah. or, or yeah. you send it to people via an email, that's enough of a connection. And yeah. when people come to buy their next caravan or, or whatever, they'll remember that you've helped them with so much information you know, over the last couple of years. Think, yeah. Well, I'm going to go there first. I'm going to go to that brand first because... It's brand awareness, isn't it? Yeah, to start yeah. With. They're yeah. a really good brand and they've helped yeah. me. I have a relationship with that brand because That's they true. give me information yeah. that I find useful or informative. So they'll be warmer, feel feel warmer towards that brand. Yeah, and it's, it's, a good, it's a good world yeah. thing, if you like, you yeah, know. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, he's building that relationship and, and you know, people talk about, people in, in brand marketing talking about building relationships with with consumers, I mean, this is one of the best and most cost-effective ways of doing it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And you, you thought about it from a manufacturer's point of view, there, I suppose. What about retailers and, and dealers in the car world? How how do they do this again, successfully? It, it's 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 again, it's the same thing. If you're if you're a retailer, um, you want people to come back to you. So the concept is is the same, really. You're, you're building a relationship with them by giving them information. Give them information that they want. Give them information that they want, not mm-hmm. what you want them to have. Yes, you can do all those conventional marketing activities as well. Yeah, you can send people special offers, blah, blah, blah. But if you have pillars of content, groups of content that you seemingly have no benefit from giving them, then, you know, that's, that's, that's to me, that, that seems like a, an easy way a relatively easy way to certainly. Yeah, yeah. I can certainly think of some brands doing this more effectively than others, and I've certainly written written blogs for some of them about travel features, or I've used a caravan or a motorhome, for instance, as a means sure. to an end. So it's not a caravan or motorhome review by any stretch of the imagination, but it just sort of features in the in the sort of activities I've been doing. But taking a slight sort of step back momentarily, how, how has media changed and you've been been around for a long time? And what are your thoughts on the future of traditional media outlets like newspapers and specialist magazines? Because certainly the caravan industry has a very, it's a relative niche market in terms of magazine volumes, but there's a definite audience there for it. So it's a slightly it declining is. one, I have to say, because I know in my days at when I worked on a magazine, the the circulation figures were probably more than double what they are, what they are now. So, yeah, the question about the future: What, what are your thoughts? Um, the future doesn't look good for media. I think I'm traditional media. Mm. Uh, so, this is, I think, there's one example that I'm currently using. Which I think graphically indicates just where we are. 
the most recent newspaper, ABC circulation figures in March, showed that the biggest selling paper in the, in the UK today is the Daily Mail, and it sells around 800,000 copies. Now, if we rewind back you know, 20 years or so, the Sun was selling 3 million copies a day. I was going to say, yeah, I thought they were... They were, they were... You think that those and there's not much. And I think it's indicative, it's indicative that actually the Sun no longer takes part in the ABC circulation figures. You know, make of that what you will. <laughs> but the last time they okay. did, the last time they did, which was, I think, March two years ago, they, they were kind of pretty much around the same figures as the Daily Mail at that time. Right. So really, I think we can, it's pretty fair to extrapolate that they still are around the same, uh, around the same as they yeah. did. Yeah. So instead of selling yeah. 3 million papers a day, they're not selling 800,000. Now, mm. you know, that's mm, a big difference. Big difference. I, I, and I, I, I've been saying for a few years now, I actually don't think we'll have printed newspapers by the end of this decade. Mm. I don't think there'll be a thing. Mm. Yeah. Uh, mm. And a lot of people have scoffed at that. But, you know, I, I, I think it's just not, it's just not going to be viable. I mean, yeah. Rupert Murdoch, well, he's probably not known for this earth. But a businessman like Rupert Murdoch yeah. um, is going to look at these and think, well, you know, this is just not, this is not working out financially. You know, I'm not getting the income from people buying the papers. Yeah. And because I'm not selling three million papers a day, I'm not getting the advertising revenue I was getting twenty years ago. Yeah, what's mm. the point? You yeah. know, but but twenty years ago they wouldn't have had a website. Whereas I think in terms of website hits, the Mail and the Sun are both pretty pretty huge, aren't they? Still, and yes. So but I guess they're getting some revenue. How much money? About how much money? Because there's been a there's been a huge collapse in advertising. Yeah, you know, post post kind of 2008 and that financial crash mm. and you know all the money was going was going to google and you know facebook in terms, uh, of, yes. in terms of advertising revenue yes. and that's falling off as well now if you look at the the revenues for for meta and was it alphabet which is the parent companies of, of facebook and google mm-hmm. their revenues are declining now as well oh wow advertisers are going i mean I've, I've worked in marketing. I started my career in marketing before I, before I was a journalist. And so I, I do have an understanding of, of, of marketing. And it's always struck me that advertising, for example, is is such a, how do I put this? Well, frankly, a waste of money in the sense that, you know, there's an old adage about, you know, that only half of the money I'm spending on advertising is actually doing any good. I just wish I knew which half it was. I guess I heard that. Yeah, so <laughs> it's kind of, uh, and so you know, it's a really scattergun approach advertising. You know, you think about, I'll go back to, to the thing I know, which is cars. You think about the money that car companies spend on advertising. You think about the money they spend on uh, or creating an advert. Yeah, yeah. It's always glossy and, you know, yes. give them high quality, you know, high quality. And you think about the money they spend on buying ad space on a commercial channel like ITV, for example. Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. if you're, say, you're, you're Audi, for example, you spent yeah. all this money, you've bought slots. How many people are watching the advertising slots are actually in the market for buying the Audi? True. Yeah, true. You know, but but you spend a lot of was... money, but you don't know how many of those people you're actually no. yeah, yeah. It's, uh, engaging with. 
But then if you don't do it, but it is a lot more measurable these days, isn't it? I interviewed somebody the other week who was doing a national TV ad and the channels they were doing it through, they were able to well, use the algorithms to, to yeah. target the ads at specific people. So if you and I were watching the same program, we might not get the same adverts shown to us, which I thought was quite clever. So I guess it's adapting. It must still have a role. Yeah, it, yeah, it probably does. It probably does. If only as a legacy for all of marketing. But yeah. I think content marketing, for example, is considerably cheaper than an advertiser who pay. Nice. I th- I would argue you're getting to more people if you, if it's done well and properly targeted and you're using you know using SEO and, and algorithms and, and and all the technology that is now available to us. Yeah, you're getting your message. To your con- to your consumers and the consumers you want to speak to, for far less than that than you're spending on adverts. Yeah. But I mean, a fraction. Of, I mean, you're, you know, a fraction of of what you're spending creating the advert in the first place. Let alone the cost yeah. of getting it. You know, by buying. But you still got to get get the people to find the content or search for yes. the, for the right words in the first place, haven't you? So. With my marketing hat on, that's that's the next challenge, isn't it? Really, it is. Yeah, I mean, if you, I, I'm, I'm, yes, that is a challenge, and and that's not, you know, that's not really my expertise regarding yeah. creating content. But yeah. from, uh, but from what I've learned from working in this sector for, for quite some time now, yes, you can do that. You're using SEO if you host it on your, if you host the content on your website. Yes, there's no guarantee that people will come to it. But if you, if you cleverly promoted using social media, yeah. Sending yeah, yeah. regular monthly emails with highlights to, you know, to, to yeah. people. There are little ways of getting people to your content. Yes, and, yes, yes, there are. You know, once they're there, if you've got it right, if you've got your content right, if you've got your customer segmentation and you understand what it is they want, if you've got that right, then um, I I would argue that it probably does you more good than second a thirty second TV ad, right on a on a channel when you're, you know, maybe. Oh, I'm sorry. I know, I know what you mean, but that says it's all yes. And it, that, I, I used to get having said all that, I used to get really frustrated having worked in you know, PR and marketing departments at car companies in the past. You spend all that money, and they do have very large budgets, much bigger than the caravan world. And then it all goes horribly wrong when somebody walks into a showroom and the dealer ignores them and they walk out again. Yeah. And, and all that money getting them to actually step yeah. foot in the place or or contact them via email or whatever it is these days. And it can still go horribly wrong, even with the best content marketing. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, you know, that well, I can control what I can control. Then, yeah, I know. Yeah. Absolutely. absolutely. It's not a perfect you, you world. You have to rely on the business doing all the other things right. You yeah. know? Yeah. So. I, I yeah, I completely agree with you. I mean, that 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 can be, you know, you can spend a lot of money on on marketing, and and that can happen. That yeah. you know, again, yeah. if you spend a lot of money on an advert, and people see, oh, flashy, lovely new car, I'm an advert, and then you walk into a dealership, and people ignore you, then again, you know, you spend even more money. Yeah, and it's, it's it's even more of a waste. So. <laughs> Uh, so how have you got any, can you think of any recent examples, either of what you've done or stuff you've seen of, of good content marketing, maybe in the car world? Yeah, this, I mean, not so much in the car world. I don't think there's good content being created by car companies. And I think car companies, some car companies are starting to understand that the content doesn't have to be about their product. So 
So Europe had a blog for a long time, and they they are doing some some good stuff with that. And and they in the UK certainly they pretty much stand alone in terms of what they do. You know, there 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 are companies who spend a lot of money on content and using good content creators, but as I said, it's it's you know the message is just the same old same old really. You're not doing something different though. I I think that. From what my understanding is that Polestar are looking to start creating content of their own. Um, they are what they call creative editorial, they're calling it, and they are looking to create that kind of content that appeals to their consumers. And so the messages they're creating content around are sustainability, for example, because they're an electric, or an electric car company and, you know, the whole thing uh, well. Yes. You know, about about sustainability, which they and also about design as well, because they're very proud of their designs, right, rightfully so. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I, I would envisage if it were me who were doing that job, I would be looking at, you know, if you know that your customers are interested in design, you can create content about architecture, you can create content about interiors, you can create content about product design, you know, it's anything that's kind of just interesting stuff, interesting content about design, mm-hmm. like what your consumers will be interested in because they are interested in designing. So you don't have to say Pulsar. Yes, mm-hmm. it's on a, maybe it's on a, a site hosted, you know, with Pulsar or on a blog or Pulsar. Mm-hmm. And it might be, you know, you, yeah. So so, so that kind of stuff, for example, is, is what you can do. I believe it was word, it was always Intel. Intel was doing a, blog for a long time, I think called IQ, which was just a science blog, just a science blog, just interesting science stories. Mm-hmm. People were interested in science. And yeah, that was that was around for quite a while. And then for whatever reason, they, they've stopped doing it. So, and, and I can't, I mean, you know, people never publicize when they stop doing these things. Yeah, of course not. No, no. Uh, whether it was, you know, it, as you say, it wasn't dead with the right people, the uh, uh, the ROI wasn't right or whatever, or whether new, new managers came in and didn't see the point of it. I don't know why these things are, but no. I think it was, it was very well received. It was wild wards when it was going, it was going for about two or three years, I think. Oh, wow. uh, and so, you know, it's, it's that kind of thing. I think that, that, that will work for people. But don't get me wrong. I, I, you know, there is obviously a place in content marketing for people to do the marketing stuff. When you create a content strategy, it's what you said to do is you create a strategy based around content pillars. Mm-hmm. The pillars are basically like I said, called verticals or whatever. So let's say you're a car brand and your, your, your consumers are interested in things like design, for example. Well, you'd have a kind of design pillar where you talk about architecture, interiors, or product design. And it may be. Yeah, they're also in travel, so or you know, they they are people who travel a lot and like city breaks or whatever. And then you have a pillar for travel content, else. But then you'd also have content, for example, with information about you know with an EV, you know, how you're adapting to the EV, because there are lots of stories to tell around you know the changes in technology, and that stuff does does serve you as a brand, and it may be more overtly self-serving. But it is information that people need to, to you know, to understand. And, you know, and I think we'll have the same thing in a few years' time where we start seeing more autonomous cars. 
you know, yes, that's coming you know, very we're, soon. We're going to yeah. start by telling stories about how this technology works, how it's going to benefit you as a consumer, yes. how it, you know, and 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 so there are lots of stories to tell, and if you have them, if you mix them up, as it were, you you have stuff which is, and obviously you have a pillar then of information about your product. You know, you could have a an online product guide. You know, sorry, the the the, the manual on you know an online oh, yeah. manual, which yeah. is kind of new. You could have a yes for a car, for example. You could. For every single feature of a car, you know, you can have a little nugget. You know, what does this button do? Well, mm-hmm. this button is your traction control or bundle. You know, and you can do a little, you know, 10 second, 15 second, 30 second advert, sorry, yeah. video of that. Yeah. And you put that online. If you're a, if you're a, an owner, and we know that owners don't read the manual. Yes. Yes. Fun, yes. You know, you think, how do you do that? And you look on your phone and, it's really isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Because that's how people, that's the other thing about the, this, this change in the media. It's about how can people consume content as well. Yes. People are consuming content in a completely different way. Yes. And they're not reading newspapers anymore. You know, we, we've both got you know, teenage kids. We understand how they consume content. We see yeah. how they do that yes. on their phones. Yeah, absolutely. All, you know, all the time, pretty much constantly. Yes. And that's how, I'm, and that is how uh, can, it can brands need to move towards definitely, I mean, definitely. the car industry i don't know with the caravans but in car industry over 95 percent of people receive their new car online yeah yeah you know, or on their phones yeah I, you know eight o'clock on a saturday morning is a peak time apparently to, to start your uh-huh. journey and uh, about a new car right. uh, and you could imagine that and you think people wake up eight o'clock on a saturday morning if you don't have young kids, obviously, right? <laughs> okay, well, let's do something this weekend about getting that new car. Uh, oh, and I so you sit in your bed yeah, yeah. on your phone or with your laptop or with your tablet or whatever, and you start doing your research. Yeah, and you just continue doing your research online. Yeah. So it, we are consuming content via our uh, devices yeah. online. So yeah, yeah. we are that is where we Definitely. all need to start thinking about. Yeah. Uh, that's how we need to start thinking about our content and how our content is consumed. Yeah, I, I mean, the, the people don't even think about looking at a, in a man an owner's manual these days. It would be oh, I'll Google that to find out how to how to yeah. do that because hopefully it's all more and more it's it's all online, isn't it? Of course, we're, we're thinking very visually here and editorially, but podcast, of course, is another con- form of content yeah. marketing. Yeah. Isn't it? And I've I'm really fascinated to see that some brands are doing podcasts and they don't talk about their product the whole time. There was a a clothing brand with a really strong message about environment, the environment, they use a certain proportion of recycled materials in their, in their products, etc. So they're, and they aimed at the surfing market. So their, their podcast was, was chatting around interviewing surfers, interviewing environment uh, in the ocean, etc. So yeah. not mentioning their latest swim shorts or wetsuits or whatever else. I thought, yeah. I thought that's quite clever, isn't it? That's exactly yeah, yeah, that's, that's, that, that's how you do it here. Yeah. yeah. You engage with your consumers on you know, on a subject that they're interested in, and yeah. and you're interested too as a brand. It, it reflects it your brand. Should be, yeah, so, yeah. And so it, you know, and that's when you're creating content. You know, these these content pillars should reflect you as a brand and what your values are, as well as you know being able to engage with your consumer because you're speaking. I mean, it's actually a speaking to your consumer about something you both said you're both interested in. Mm. You know. Mm. And uh, it doesn't have to be, mm. you know, it doesn't have to be anything more complex than 
you have and, to, and the brand should be sort of in tune with the consumer or consumers, shouldn't they? Yeah, yeah. If they're going to I be mean, successful. Yeah. If we're looking at you know corporate social responsibility or you know whatever or the other. This change now is, is a different acronym. Acronym is though, but but you know, all that kind of stuff again is reflected in the content. You know, mm-hmm. it's, the content reflects you as a brand as well, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. engage consumers and 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 helps the consumer understand what kind of a brand you are. Hopefully, they like it and buy your products. You that's know, a, it's, it's as simple as that. It's yeah, you know, that's a great quote. I like that. Don't have to be overt. <laughs> you don't have to hit people around. Yeah. With you know, with the new pair of swim shorts or the new pair of the new car you've got or the new caravan you're 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 producing. Yeah. You let you you trust your consumer yeah. to understand that yes, you're selling something. Yeah. And trying to sell oh. them things. Yeah. But you know, you're treating yeah. them like a, like a like a normal human being, if you like. <laughs> and you know, and, and you're trying to build a relationship with them. And then if a sale comes Great, everybody benefits. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's it, it's it's maybe it's the subtlety that puts people off. And I think we, as a society, we're kind of losing a sense of nuance and subtlety. I think mm-hmm. you look at online arguments and everything, and I think people need to to yeah, yeah. find that again. I yeah. think people need to trust that people understand nuance, people understand subtext, people understand. You know that that yes, you're giving them something which apparently there's no benefit for them from, but yeah, but there is because yeah. you're willing to with them and you trust them a little bit more and Absolutely. you like them a little bit more and you appreciate what they do for you a little bit more. Mm. Oh, you're spot on, definitely spot on. So just I'll, I'll take conscious of your time, but how do, how would a brand know if it's there for doing its content marketing properly and delivering results? Do you think? I don't know. Well. You kind of need, you need to, you need to, first of all, understand what you're trying to achieve the content. You, know, mm-hmm. you need to have a clear idea of what it is that you want to achieve with that content. You know, I, you know, I, I'm also building a relationship, dropping particular messages over, you know, et cetera, to this act. And then based on that, you create a realistic kind of content strategy right from the start. Think about you think long and hard about what kind of content you want to create, what's going to work for your consumers. Now, you know, depending on what kind of brand you are, I mean, lots of brands, but car companies have very extensive customer segmentation, you know, yeah. Yeah, yes. and a really deep understanding of who buys their, who buys their products and yeah, what kind of thing they're interested in. Yes. And, you know, the other, the other, Aspect of throwing here is data. You know, we have, there's so much there's so much data now about consumers, yes, and about our consumer journeys online as well. Oh yes, the keys and all these kinds of things. Yeah, uh, that and the brands have a better understanding of what people are interested in and what people like and do online, basically. Mm. And you could tailor your strategy around that. So if you have that data, you understand who your customer is. What it is they're interested in by their by their their online use, you can tailor that strategy towards them. So you you build a cup, you know, three, four, five colors depending on you know what your budget is and what your priorities are. Mm-hmm. Separate colors of content to reflect the strategy that you that you're trying to employ. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Then 
The last one is, I don't know, this might sound a little self-serving, but it's get professionals to create content. People yes. understand, you know, I mean, it's been terrible for journalists the last 20 years because we're all losing our jobs, but there are a lot of, so, but it also means there are lots of freelance journalists out there, people who understand how to create content. And the same with, with videographers and photographers as well. There are lots yeah. of people who are working freelance out there now who understand professional content. Mm-hmm. And they, you know, they may cost a little bit more than, than, than some hobbyist or enthusiast or influencer or some of the YouTube channel who's no kind of journalistic background of apps. But you will have better quality content and mm-hmm. your consumers and your customers will recognize that. Because mm-hmm. if mm-hmm. you have arbitrage content, then or, or content which is created obviously created by somebody who who is an amateur and isn't a professional, then that reflects badly on your brand or reflects badly on your content and then and that's all all that you're trying to achieve really. Yeah. So yeah, you know, there are lots of there are lots of professionals out there, content professionals out there who can help mm. you content mm. and, and and you know yes they might cost a little bit more money than somebody who's got a, a youtube channel but um you will benefit from that the money that money will be well spent the yeah. money you spend on creating that content is well spent it is it is created professionally yeah yeah no i i agree definitely it's the same with a lot of things particularly i i get clients who say oh i've got a camera i'll take a photo of, of xyz product to send you and I cringe and it comes back and I go, oh God. But anyway, yes, yes, yeah. I definitely yeah. know, definitely it, know it, what you mean. It's it's something that I've kind of, as a writer, you know, I, I, I see stuff online, whether it's social media or websites, whatever, and I can tell, I can instantly spot if it's been written by somebody who has some training or some understanding of writing. It's like, we can all write but we can't all write. Yes. Now you shared a post about that the other day. And I yeah, read that. In the, but, and I, I've said this for a long yes. time, you know, it's yes. kind of, a, and, and consumers can tell. Consumers yes. can, I mean, you don't have to be a, a trained journalist to be able to tell if, a, yeah. if it's been written by, a, by somebody who can write. Yeah. You know, I think it may not be overtly, it may be kind of subconsciously, somebody will read that and think, yeah, it's not really it's not proper. It's, it's not. It'll be more engaging. Of course, we've got this threat, if you, for want of a better word, of AI or the AI, AI stuff these days, auto-generated yeah. stuff, which there's been some really good articles I've seen on that of how inaccurate they can be and how yeah. misleading they can be. But yeah, that's that's another interesting bit. Yeah, what, what you want is is, is an analog chat GPT, which is basically a writer. <laughs> or a, person, a or human, a human being, a human being. Yeah. Yeah. Analog, you know, analog. <laughs> So let, let, that's been really interesting, but and I'm, I'm going to not go on for too long. But thanks very much for your time. But let me let me finish by asking you a few fun questions, and these are probably a bit challenging for you because you've not really got any caravan experience. Hey, but I can you. As a con- as a concept, if you could take a caravan or a camper van anywhere in the world for a holiday, where where would you? What what, what would tempt you? Oh, so many so many places. Actually, I love I do love traveling, but I think. I think there's so much to see and with so much infrastructure to allow it. So I think I'll probably have to go for a West Coast of America. Yes. You yes. know, it, it's, nice I've, 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 I've been to California a couple of times. I've done a road trip in California, but I'd like to go up further. I mean, it'd be good to start at, at San Diego. 
I mean, go right up the coast up to Vancouver. Yeah, probably nice. Probably a good trip, I think. Yeah, yeah. And and the the, another question I ask is, and this is going to be maybe not not one for you, but if you had a magic wand, do you have do you have any idea what you'd wish for to benefit benefit the caravan industry as a whole? So, from an outsider's perspective, do you have any thoughts on that? Yeah, yeah, I do actually. I did did have a quick thought about this. Ah. I thought about um, in if, if I had a magic wand, I, if I, you know, this is a magic wand question. Well, if I had a magic wand, I would ensure that every campsite everywhere had really good Wi-Fi, strong, fast, you know, mega, mega, okay. whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Because that's what people want. That's mm. what consumers want. And that's what campers want. That's what camp people exactly. want. You, you, yeah. you turn up at a, at, a, at a thing and you want to use your phone for something. If you have a, you know, you have a, a, a router or, or, or routers around a site and, and you have strong broadband, that would be, I, I can imagine, I can imagine that would make caravans lives a lot easier. It is, and also you get a lot of people that sort of work from anywhere these days and will take their yeah. caravan yeah. back to home yeah. and go work for the day. But inevitably we all end up streaming something. Hopefully we're not glued to our phones the whole time. And a lot of campsites are, well, some kinds are better than others. I guess it depends where they are and how much of an investment it is in getting decent Wi-Fi. But I suppose these days, you, well, you can get caravans and motors with their own Wi-Fi units in them now. So that's the next step as well, isn't it? Making, rather than sharing a, a broadband signal with the rest of the campsite, you might want to have your own. But it's a good, it's a good point. And actually, on the side note, yes, my car was in the garage and at the local town. And I went to a, to a cafe. I thought, oh, good, I can treat myself to some lunch. I took my laptop. I'll just stay here until the garage rings to tell me the car is ready. And I ordered some some lunch, etc. And then I noticed there was a sign on the wall saying, no laptops. This is a no work zone. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> so I, I, I ate up and, and I said, sorry, I'm going to have to go. I was going to spend some time here this afternoon and have a cake and another coffee. But if I can't work here, I'm, I'm going to have to go yeah. elsewhere. So anyway, yeah. that was a slight annoyance and a, slight, a complete aside. So if you could, my last question, which is a fun one, if you could have a barbecue on a campsite with three people, celebrities, politicians, or maybe musicians in your your case, dead or alive, other than family or friends, who would you like to invite? Now, I know you're big into your music, so I'm expecting some music people here. Well, yeah, I don't know. I thought, I did think about this and, and I thought, well, I, I, I yeah. So I'm, I can't have three people, none of the politicians can. Who the hell would a politician? <laughs> and yeah, so three three people I would choose would be Dr. Hannah Fry, yeah. um, mathematician, professor of mathematics. That's uh, an interesting choice. Another work for uh, the BBC because she's 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 brilliant. You know, obviously, mm-hmm. you know, in, in terms of intelligence, um, yeah. but she's also really funny and engaging uh-huh. and kind of like it's 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 so good at explaining. You know, difficult concepts, or uh, you know, in, in a really easy to understand way. So, yeah, and I, I would, yeah, I'd definitely love her. And then, I think I'd have Bob Mortimer, Regian, uh-huh. yeah. uh, Big Buzz. I love his sense of humour. Yeah, he's just yeah. so funny. He can just go off, and so yeah, you just need to know the sense of humour, really. Yeah, and he has such a great sense of humour. Yeah, so bizarre, so absurd that I, you know, and I love that kind of humour. <laughs> and then. I, I, I was thinking about a musician and I thought for a few people and I thought, well, actually, what I want is when you sit around a barbecue, you want somebody with some stories. So, yes, I've gone for Tom Jones, Sir Tom Jones. Oh, yes. 
a fellow Welshman, obviously. Yes, yes. Yeah, so he would have plenty of stories. Well, a bit of his Presley, wouldn't you know? He did. I mean, I've heard that. that story. <laughs> uh, yes, I've many cool lots of stories like that. I'm, and uh, I won't, I won't say it out loud, but if you, if your listeners were to look up Tom Jones and the Four Seas, that's another reason why he has Curious. been. He has a. He has a routine of 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 post dinner. He has four C's, and I won't say what they are because this is a family podcast. Yes, thank but, you. Uh, yeah, he's a he's no, a good, but good choice. He does have some great stories because he has been around a long time, absolutely, uh, and met so many people, and everybody loves him. So yeah, exactly. Yes, and he can he can you know if you get a few get a few beers inside him, he might sing your song as well. That'd be a bonus at the end of the evening, wouldn't it? <laughs> Oh, that's a good choice. I, I, I definitely think I would include him as well, actually. I like that one. So, uh, yeah, thank you very much. This has been really good, really good to catch up with you. And if people want to find you online, your, your website's redlinecontent.co.uk. Right. On LinkedIn quite a lot. It's Craig yeah. Thomas one But on Instagram a bit as well? Yeah, no, I don't have... I've pulled back from a lot of social media. I never yeah. knew I'm a big Instagram user. There's lots of pictures of food on it. <laughs> it's just things I've made really well than I eat but I'm not going to photograph everything I eat and no. I, I barely eat Instagram so yeah LinkedIn right. that's why I seem to see you most anyway brilliant okay brilliant Craig thank you very very much that's really good good to see you good luck with the future thanks very much John thank you for listening to this podcast I really hope you enjoyed it and would really appreciate it if you could share it with as many people as possible even better, please give me a five-star review in iTunes. It'd be a great help. If you'd like me to interview you, want to suggest someone to interview, or interested in sponsoring this podcast, or want to get in touch with me for any reason, please drop me a line at john at rawlingscommunications.com or message me on Instagram at rawlings underscore comms. Thanks very much. Bye for now.